Hello, and welcome back to The Edutators. This is your host, Brandon Kai. In today's episode, we will focus on visually impaired people. You will hear from Mrs. Jennifer Pendolfo, Associate Director and Director of Services at Sites for Hope. She is going to tell us about the services that Sites for Hope provides to support visually impaired people in achieving independent living and improved quality of life. We will also learn about the resources that Sites for Hope provides for visually impaired youth to learn, adapt, and reach their full potential in life and education. More importantly, we will learn how we can help to make visually impaired people more included in education, in the workforce, and in society. Hi, Mrs. Pandolfo. Thank you for coming to The Edutators today. Could you introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. My name is Jennifer Pandolfo. I am the Associate Director and Director of Programs and Services at Sites for Hope. Thank you so much. So Sites for Hope supports visually impaired people with services for them to achieve independent living and improve quality of life. Could you tell us about the organization, the history, mission, goal, and impact? Yeah, sure. So we are a nonprofit organization that serves the Lehigh Valley, the Lehigh County, Northampton County, and also Monroe County. And um, our mission is to provide people with visual impairment the skills and support and solutions to advance their self-sufficiency. And our mission, is, our vision is to transform the lives of people with visual impairment by removing the barriers to their independent and success. So really our core, at our core, we, um, we're trying to help visual impaired people stay and remain independent. Um, so our history goes back pretty far. Um, we actually began when Heller, uh, Helen Keller came to the Lehigh Valley and um, she had she came to a Lions Club meeting and she asked the Lions to take up visual impairment um, or blindness as a cause and to be champions um, for the visually impaired, for the blind. And um, they did. And out of that um, meeting, our organization was born and our, um, our nonprofit was built. And it's changed over time and it's morphed and it's merged. Um, and now we cover all three counties. In fact, there is a county in every county in Pennsylvania has an agency like ours that provides these services to the visual impaired um, from directly from that visit with Helen Keller. Um, so we really kind of have a deep history rooted in, um, in, in that. Um, and we really, really, especially recently strive to help our clients um, and patients stay independent as they as much as they possibly can. Yeah, that's uh, that history is truly inspirational. Um, your dedication to your work is uh, so great. Thank you. So uh, I learned that you provide many types of services to people with visual impairment or low vision, from life skills to assistive technology or presentative preventive screening and youth education programs. Could you tell us more about these services? Yeah, sure. Uh, so at Sites for Hope, as I said, we everything centers around the individual person and how they want to be, remain independent. 
So one of our biggest and most popular service is transportation. We provide transportation for our clients to any medical appointments, grocery store or food access, uh, the bank and the pharmacy. And our drivers are sighted guides. So that means that they help our clients get from, um, from their home to their destination and back home safely. Um, and they stay with that client the whole time and make sure that they're safe. Some of our clients just need the ride. They just need someone to come and pick them up and drop them off, while other clients need the actual um, assistance on getting into places um, such as the doctor or the grocery store um, where we help our clients uh, find items and um, read labels and um, help them pack their bags, things like that. Uh, we, in addition to that, we have caseworkers who help um, all of our clients maintain or reach their independent goals. So some of our clients, their independent goals mean they want to be able to catch the bus and go to work. And other clients, um, the goal is just to be able to use the microwave um, or be able to read their favorite book or um, uh, newspaper. So the, the caseworkers are really there to help our clients reach those goals. Um, but they're also there to help be um, an extra set of eyes until the clients learn the right skills to do it for themselves. So things like paying bills and uh, reading mail, helping them fill out applications, uh, maybe trying to help come overcome some of the challenges or roadblocks they may face when trying to do those things. Um, the caseworkers are there um, to be a lending, a lending hand. We also, as you mentioned, have a lot of life skill classes and we, in those classes, we have um, individual and group sessions in which we teach our clients how to live uh, differently with their visual impairment, how to cook, how to organize so they know where things are, um, how to pay their bills, how to read the newspaper, how to um, use technology. Um, again, all within the same independent goals. We have support group, um, which is a group setting, peer-to-peer uh, -peer support, uh, where the clients talk to each other about their feelings of vision loss um, and maybe how they kind of a give and take on maybe how other people um, find tips and tricks they find to living with their vision loss. And then they also have um, a lot of, uh, uh, like I said, it's a lot of give and take. We also have counseling, so that's more one-on-one -on -one for people who maybe are having a little bit more hard time adjusting to their vision loss. Um, they can sit with one of our certified counselors um, to talk about their vision loss and to really kind of, um, again, work through their feelings um, in, order to, in order to get to acceptance, in order to um, accept a new, a new way of life. Um, we also have our low vision program. And our low vision program um, consists of, we have a low vision store in both of our locations, and we have a low vision doctor who comes and sees our clients and um, assesses their uh, visual um, abilities and then helps recommend the correct tools and technology that could help them maybe use the vision that they have left um, or how to make help them adjust and adapt to their um, visual impairment and blindness. So such things as magnifiers and talking clocks and kitchen gadgets and um, magnif electronic magnifiers, tech, all types of technology um, really help our clients um, maintain that independence that they're seeking and they're looking for. 
Um, and uh, we also have a lot of social programs that I didn't mention, but we do have a lot of social programs. Um, a lot of our clients who are visually impaired, who can no longer drive, find it very difficult um, to get out and socialize with other people. They become very isolated, which adds to their um, depression. Um, and it, it once they get into that state, it's difficult for them to reach their goals and to become and maintain employment uh, independent. And one of the things that we do is we offer a lot of an opportunity for them to come and meet new people and make new friends. And inevitably happens is that these people become like family with, to each other and they reach out to each other outside of our groups. So on any given day, they have a numerous number of people they can count on, they can call or contact through um, social media or call on the telephone and just have someone to talk to and rely on who understands what they're going through. Um, and it's made a huge difference in so many of our clients' lives. Um, and and um, our organization also has a service called Prevention. And our prevention program actually is um, a screening tool that we use. We visit many uh, daycares and preschools in our service area in which we use um, a spot machine, which is a camera made by Welsh Allen that takes a picture of a child's eye within three or four seconds, is able to identify whether a child has uh, potentially has an eye condition and uh, might need eyeglasses or some type of eye um, therapy in order to remediate it and help them be able to learn in school. So we focus on kids between the ages of zero and six. I'm hoping that once they get to kindergarten, they're all ready with a pair of glasses or that therapy to, able to help correct maybe the vision problem that they have. And then therefore preventing any further vision problems or vision loss in the future. Um, so that is, we also do a lot of education with those kids at the daycares and preschools about keeping their eyes safe and healthy so that they do maintain their, their visual um, ability throughout their whole entire life. We also recently have um, developed um, Lions Clubs within each of our, in each of our offices. Um, and this gives the um, clients an opportunity to give back so many of them feel like they've lost their purpose in life and they're struggling to find a purpose. So the Lions Club gives them an opportunity to be able to give back and help other people. And that gives them a, a feeling of, um, of purpose and helpfulness. And it's been a real big help for a lot of our clients. Um, and then in addition to that, we also have some youth programming that we have. Um, we have a summer camp. Um, in which um, we have runs two weeks throughout the summer. Um, and we also have um, sometimes during school breaks, but we will also get together around the holidays um, to offer um, some more support for visually impaired youth. Um, and then once the kids transition out of that program, um, we help kids transition into maybe the next phase of their life, that kind of gap between you know, you're too young, too old for summer camp, but too young to do anything, um, you know, a job or anything official. How do you get a job with a visual impairment? How do you apply to college? Um, and even if you're not visually impaired, how do you do those things? Um, so really kind of using the mentor approach and having those who've gone before them come back and teach, um, teach how they did it, what was successful, what were some of the pitfalls and challenges, and then um, how do you overcome those pitfalls and challenges as well? 
Um, we are also trying to get off the ground a an infant and toddler preschool program um, in which we would offer programming for uh, visually impaired toddlers and preschoolers who are visually impaired. And that program focuses mostly on play. How do you play when you're visually impaired? And not only how do you as a, how does a, the individual play, but how do you play with a sibling maybe? Um, so we're hoping to engage some of the children's siblings um, and mothers and fathers um, and caretakers um, with the child so that they can play together um, and be included in um, family play. And then we're hoping that the preschool program will be more play with each other um, and then um, maybe creating that kind of safe space and support for mothers who are trying to raise children who are visually impaired um, and are facing a lot of um, pitfalls and challenges themselves, being able to get that support by um, other mothers who may be going through the same thing. So, uh, yeah, it's it's amazing that Sites for Hope provides so many services to visually impaired people with all sorts of different needs and like individual catering. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah. So your work has a great impact on um creating independence and like self-sufficiency exactly so, so i heard that sites for hope is um had like an increase in the client base uh in the past few years and i was very impressed to see your organization provide advanced technology for vision loss prevention um like screening for amblyopia in very young children before they can even speak. Mm -hmm. uh, so can you elaborate in general, what are like the leading causes of visual impairment? Um, well, you know, in young children, um, what we screen for, uh, like you said, is amblyopia, but also um, myopia and um, other, eye, other eye conditions that could be corrected, such as, um, you know, nearsightedness and farsightedness, you could put on a pair of glasses and you'll be able to see. Um, sometimes there are there's some treatments such as eye patching um, if a child has um, or if a child has a gaze. Um, again, some of these things can be um, fixed and a child might be able to then um, move on with their life having having vision. Um, but what we see with our clients who are older, um, some of the major lead, leading causes of visual impairment um, are eye conditions that maybe aren't so fixable. Um, such as glycoma, macular degeneration, cataracts, diabetic retinopathy. And these things um, lead to permanent vision loss that unfortunately at this point in time, um, the only thing that can be reversed once you start losing your vision due to some of these diseases is, um, is cataracts. Um, and so once you start getting some of these eye conditions, and you start to lose your vision, you cannot get it reversed. And therefore you have to learn how to live with it and adapt to it. And so that's where we come in um, and, um, and help clients live a new, a different way of life. Yeah, that's, that's great that you can help people adapt from like being able to see to losing vision. So for people who come to you for help, uh, what are the criteria for determining the types of support that they need? So in, so in order 
to qualify for our um, programs, we um, we say that somebody has to be 2070 or worse in their better eye with their glasses on. And that's about the time where you can't read a newspaper um, or drive. And so that's why transportation is so important to our organization because most of our clients can no longer drive. Um, but if a, if a person is living with vision loss and the doctor says maybe they're not yet at that point, but they feel like they wanna learn these skills before they lose all of their vision or before they get to that point, we certainly will make them um, a client and certainly give them the services. So we would like to help somebody who maybe feels that they're that they want to learn um, or that vision loss is impeding their life. Um, someone's been diagnosed with macular degeneration and their doctor tells them that they're probably going to lose most of their vision, their central vision, um, and they're scared. Um, we certainly will um, take that person on as a client and help them walk through um, the steps to with that happening them having the support as that happens to them, um, and then also helping them use things like support group and counseling to help them um, when, they, when they get to that point. We also see um, a lot of clients who have had some type of brain trauma or brain injury, like a stroke um, or some type of accident that's, um, that has affected the vision part of their brain. Um, and therefore um, cannot see, even though their, their optometrist might say that they're 2020 or 2040, um, the vision, the brain part of their, the vision part of their brain has been significantly damaged, not allowing them to see um, properly. So that also um, would be a criteria that we would take for someone who maybe is, is living with vision loss. Uh, what kind of special support is needed? to help visually impaired children in public schools? Uh, do they like teach them Braille? Yeah, so in schools, um, most uh, visually impaired children um, are taught Braille, especially if a child has, has a diagnosis in which um, they have a degenerative disease where they're going to eventually lose their vision. Um, so Braille is a big part of that. And a lot of our clients who have been visually impaired since, um, since childhood know Braille. And some of our clients currently are learning Braille. Uh, it's not an easy task, but um, it is a great tool in learning how to, um, to read and um, be able to use, to use it as a tool. Um, I think in school also they teach um, navigation. So um, how, to, how to navigate your surroundings when you're visually impaired. Um, a lot of training with a white and red cane um, is part of that. That's kind of the universal sign for someone who's visually impaired. But that white and that white cane helps our clients um, navigate their surroundings and be able to um, walk through the hallways, find their classroom, find the bathroom, the cafeteria, etc. Um, they, I think that the schools also use they use technology. I I think they could probably use it a little bit more, but um, things like audiobooks and iPads and magnifiers that help kids uh, be able to maybe see better. So if someone maybe has low vision, can't see the board, they maybe have some technology like a laptop that can um, magnify what's being shown on the smart board or the teacher in front of the room um, is really great for some of our visually impaired or would be really great for visually impaired kids at school. 
Yeah, that's that's great to hear that public schools can provide all these learning opportunities. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So in the youth and family program at Sites for Hope, what resources and services are provided to families to improve life skills and academic ed education? Are you looking for helpers such as local college or high school students? Absolutely. We're, we are always looking for volunteers to help us with um, our kids programming and um, our adult programming as well. Um, but as I said before, we do have a summer camp that runs two weeks over the summer and then over our holidays. For instance, we just took um, the kids apple picking in, um, in a corn maze um, over Columbus Day. And then over Christmas, we'll, um, we'll do some cookie baking and include cooking skills as well as um, social skills and uh, navigating skills while they're at our center in the Lehigh Valley. Um, over Easter last year, the Allentown um, Fire Department a, a bomb squad made us beeper eggs. The kids were able to have their own beep, beeper egg, egg hunt, which a lot of them never had an Easter egg hunt before because they couldn't find the eggs. Um, and this allowed them to be able to hear where the eggs were to pick them up and find them. So we tried to look for opportunities that maybe these kids haven't had before um, and help them um, find ways to learn to adapt, but also to, um, you know, just be kids. Um, and, you know, as I was saying before, we also have this transition program for kids who age out of camp, who are getting ready to go to college. Um, so we offer families the the and kids the opportunity to kind of like a, a how-to, how, what do you do? How do you, who has gone before you, who has been visually impaired, gone to college, gotten a job, um, and is a, a functioning member um, of society and how have they done it? And so we bring clients in, staff members who are visually impaired, past um, and, and other people in the community to come in and show this is how, this is what you should do. This is, this is and, and really not just because they're visually impaired, right? But because they're kids and it's a scary time. And how do you decide at, at 17, 16 years old, what you want to do for the rest of your life? Yeah, that's truly amazing that your work helps these children to build a brighter future. Um, so how do you reach out uh, to the community to get support and volunteers to make Sites for Hope successful? Yeah, so um, we have, um, we're, we're, like I said, we're always looking for volunteers, but we do ha um, have a campaign with volunteermatch.org and also volunteermonroe.org, which are both websites that we use to gain employee, uh, not employees, gain volunteers for our programs. Um, and once people come in, we kind of do an assessment of what they're interested in doing and helping. And we try to match them with the right program in order to help, um, you know, the best, what's best for our programs or best for the volunteers. We also have um, an advancement uh, department that does a lot of social media to get the word out about our organization and about our, our programs. And that helps um, with our gaining support and people being interested in our organization to maybe potentially volunteer, um, as well as we do a lot of, um, you know, annual appeals, special events, social media that really um, pushes um, and spreads the word about um, what we do and with the services that we provide. 
we're always looking for, you know, we're, we are always looking for volunteers, but we also um, are always looking for any type of support um, that anyone could to give us so that we can continue the work that we do with our clients. Yeah, that's uh, so, so cool and so great. So is there any advice that you, we can share with visually impaired youth on how to transition into adulthood and start career development? So I guess my biggest um, advice is to, it's important for youth to be themselves, to don't let anyone tell you that you're something that you're not. Meaning that if you're visually impaired and you set goals for yourself, don't let anybody step in your way. You have to be realistic, right? You're not gonna, if you're visually impaired, you're not gonna grow up to be an Air Force pilot. That's probably not in the cards for you. But if you're interested in airplanes or the Air Force, there are plenty of jobs out there that you can get involved with that would help That would help solve and, and maybe feed that passion that you have. So many of us have passions that um, we want to be able to share with the world. And maybe somewhere along the line, people have, um, said, oh, you're, that's not good for you, or you can't do that. And that's my biggest piece of advice is don't let people tell you that. Um, find ways and seek people out that can help you gain those goals and and certainly find the technology that help you um, stay independent and and reach what you wanna be true and be so that you're able to be true to yourself. Um, we really kind of stress technology a lot um, because that's really, um, what's new and exciting out there about um, being able to learn and being able to work. So there's low vision item, items and devices that can help clients, uh, whether they know Braille or not, be able to um, be independent and reach their goals is important. It's, it's different. Is it gonna be easy? No. Is it gonna be hard? Probably harder than it is for somebody else who isn't visually impaired? Probably, but there's, there is support out there um, and if it's not sites for hope, it's it's other people, it's your friends, it's your family to to rely on to be able to not give up and just keep going, reaching your goals. Um, because it's it's about um, it's about setting those goals and reaching those goals um, is really what we like to try and stress in our program. Yeah, thank you for sharing these insights from your perspective. So. Um, can you give some suggestions to the community on how to better collaborate with visually impaired coworkers in the workforce or with classmates in school? Yeah, sure. Um, I think that um, the biggest way or the best way that we can collaborate with those who are visually impaired is just by learning about how they live um, and acceptance and learning that um, I think one of the biggest misconceptions out there is that if you're blind, it means you can't see, or if you have low vision, um, that you can't see, that um, people who have some vision loss um, have to change the way they do things, but it doesn't mean they're incapable. And so accepting that and helping people um, when you see them, it might mean taking a step and, and giving somebody a chance to use their technology in order to get where they need to be. If someone's reading Braille, you need to give them a chance to read it before um, they, uh, it might take a little bit longer. 
or if somebody is navigating their surroundings, they uh, might take longer than somebody who doesn't. Um, but it's about acceptance and uh, accepting that this is someone's new way of life. Um, that would be the best way I think we as individuals can learn to uh, collaborate with others who are different from us just to learn about why they're different and how maybe they function in their everyday life um, and what that that makes them unique um, and, and helps them be independent. Yeah, thank you for your insight. So uh, if people want to get involved and contribute to Sites for Hope, is there any immediate need for um, the organization? I think one of the biggest needs really right now is both financially and with volunteers. Uh, you can go to our website at www.sitesforhope.org and you can donate um, right at our website page or um, you can um, volunteer and um, you can volunteer. Um, you can request to volunteer from our from that page. Um, we also have a Facebook page um, that you can reach out to us at or um, you can um, uh, go to volunteermatch.org and um, we can match you up with the right program to what your interests are. Um, we always need volunteers for our weekly programs in which we're teaching people things. Um, we have a craft group. We have a mall walk. We take the clients out into um, out into uh, fun, do fun things such as bowling, the farmers market. We have parties. Um, so we're always in need of volunteers to come and help our clients um, in the and that in those areas to um, help um, obtain their goals. Yes. So uh, once again, thank you for all the insight, Ms. Fendolfo. Uh, your impactful work um, has transformed lives and is such an inspiration for all of us. Well, thank you for having me, Brandon. I really enjoyed it. I really appreciate you asking me to be here. Thank you.